This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24. How are you doing in Madison, Wisconsin today, AJ? Oh, we're doing good here. Uh, you know, we had a good kind of sunny sunny couple days over the weekend. It's, it's cooled back off today, but... Uh, good to get out and uh you know be in the yard be on the deck um you know we got to uh we roasted some marshmallows with the uh with the kiddo there so she was pretty excited about that so yeah it was it's a good weekend and you know we'll we'll dive into the rest of the week here obviously it's a busy time um you know for for some things and a slow time for others so <laughs> absolutely just kind of making our way <laughs> absolutely partner i mean uh, at my end it was finally a nice sunny weekend and uh, i have a bunch of weeds in my backyard that need my attention so off right after this pod i'll be doing that for the rest of the day lucky me and <laughs> start to get the yard looking uh, better than it has for a while and cut the grass and get the things ready for the springtime but uh, in terms of the social distancing thing and, and that sort of thing in my area things are starting to get a little bit relaxed in, in that way I'm not saying it's a full-on everybody go to work everybody go outside but it's looking more positive and so I hope that trend continues but I encourage our listeners to just practice safe habits and listen to your political leaders they are getting the best information from the doctors and that combination of uh, leadership we got to count on them to lead us through these these tough times on today's podcast aj we're going to take the final look at the seattle roster that we each came up with and we're going to go through the exercise of going through each team and give our top available forward defenseman and goalie for each club that are uh in the mix possibly to be selected by seattle and then at the end we're going to reveal each of our rosters and our team names and i understand you have a different one than i i have so we might have some fun with that as well so please lead us through we'll go in alphabetical order here uh, in terms of the teams that we want to look at and the players that are available so you start us off with the anaheim ducks yeah absolutely before we we dive in i have to say this was uh one of the the most uh kind of interesting discussions after this article came out had a lot of people 
uh, hitting up the social media, telling me I was crazy for this decision or that uh, decision. So it was really interesting to kind of see that happening and, and kind of really exciting. Uh, at one point, that the article was the, the number one article on Rotowire. Um, so we thank all of our listeners that checked it out, everybody uh, that, that was able to dive into that. So it was a really fun exercise and, and enjoyable to do. So you mentioned the Anaheim Ducks. You know, there's there were uh, a handful of options here if you wanted to go the veteran route, um, you know, based on the, the protected players that, that we talked about in, in previous weeks. You know, for me, uh, a couple of names that, that stood out in the forwards were Kiefer Shearwood, Sonny Milano, Max Jones as all options there. On the blue line, um, you know, there wasn't a ton in terms of offensive guys, really. Um, maybe some guys that will potentially turn into that. But uh, for me, it kind of came down to, you know, Eric Goodbranson really led the way as far as the available guys there. And then between the pipes, again, kind of a – a mix of veteran or, or youthful and untested uh, Ryan Miller, or Anthony Stolarts there. So, um, you know, when it all came down to it for me, um, I went with Sonny Milano. I thought he was the right combination of youth for this team, not uh, too, you know, cap heavy, um, a bottom six forward for, for Seattle um, that would make a, a great addition. So uh, that's kind of what I went with there. Uh, Paul, what did you have to say about the Ducks? Well, I, I went with a forward too, but uh, I went instead with Nick Delorier. I think Milano's bounced around too much for my liking, and, and Delorier has uh, a, an upside as a prospect that really hasn't been as te- uh, tested, I'll say, as Milano. So he would be my uh, forward that is the best available after I went through the protected list. Then on defense, I, I have Jacob Larson, uh, useful third pairing guy I would project him as and then Anthony Stollers is my goalie of choice but uh, of the three I definitely pick a forward in this case off the Anaheim roster so Delorier would be my guy what about Arizona so yeah with the Coyotes again you know and this is kind of a trend if you read uh, if our listeners read any of those previous articles or listened to our previous weeks you know that when going through this protected list I really um you know, left a lot of veterans kind of open and available in part due to cap hits and uh, and the like. So, again, here you've got, you know, you've got a Carl Soderberg who, you know, he's 34 years old, 4.7 million against the cap. Like, that's not outrageous right now. Do I want him in another year? Um, you know, that's up for debate there. Um, again, blue line, some guys, Nicholas Yarmelson was one of the kind of top names that I tossed out there and, and really considered. Um, and then Antti Ranta was obviously the, the goaltending um, consideration here. Uh, the injuries kind of just uh, made me fade him, so I didn't really want to touch that. I went back to another forward here, though, uh, a younger guy in Christian Fisher. Again, 23 years old. He's costing less than a million dollars. He'll get, you know, before we get to Seattle, he'll get a bridge deal here this summer. He'll be an RFA, but I still don't think the cap hit would be too outrageous um, for, for them to really fit in. And one of the interesting things that I found doing this exercise was trying to stay under the 81.5 cap limit. Um, you know, it, it, it seemed like it would be easy. Um, and that, you know, I'm more concerned about hitting the floor, um, but definitely had to take into consideration cap decisions here. And, and Christian Fisher is one of those. Paul, what about you? Do, do you pay up for Carl Soderberg? Do you, or is he just getting a little too long in the tooth for you at this point? Well, you touched on it, AJ. Uh, there, I look at the age of some of these guys that are available uh, on all the teams, and I tried to stay away from the 30-plus. So Soderberg, 
up there. He'd be in his age 35 season, kind of disqualifying himself for me. And the same thing would probably go for a guy like Alex Goligoski, although he has a high upside as an offensive defenseman. I just think that you want to get some guys with uh, some some runway in terms of the rest of their career. So I went a little bit younger in each case, and uh, I determined that my best option up front w- in that regard would be Vinny Hinostroza, a guy who's bounced around a little bit in the Western Conference, had some success in Chicago, and I think they're projecting they were projecting him as a top six forward in Arizona. He got off to a bit of a slow start there, but I think the guy has an abundance of skill and in the right circumstance could be a top six player for Seattle. Uh, by defenseman of choice, there were some good options here too. I liked Jordan Osterley as a pick here. He has an offensive upside as a, as a defenseman who can play both ends of the ice fairly well, so a good opportunity to choose him. And then Antti Ranta, you mentioned, I agree with you in terms of the goaltending pick. Uh, a guy who has had some experience and good experience, but he's been de- dealing with a little bit of injury issues recently. And of the three, I landed on Vinny Enestrosa as my pick uh, for a player to be selected off this roster. How about the Boston Bruins, AJ? Yeah, so looking at, at the Beantown roster here, um, you know, most of the veterans actually on this team, uh, I ended up keeping around uh, in, the, you know, in terms of protected. Um, so a little bit younger of a group to select from, you know, some of your forward options um, that I kind of considered were, were Nick Ritchie, Sean Corrali. I mean, these aren't top six guys necessarily, um, but certainly worth um, at least consideration. On the blue line, I thought it was pretty straightforward here. I mean, Tory Krug um, is set to hopefully, you know, if uh, if he can get a, a good deal, obviously with everything going on in the hiatus, he might not be able to to get it. But I think he certainly is capable of earning a, a seven and a half million dollar contract um, heading into to next season. So we'll certainly see how that plays out. But I think he was the most obvious choice um, among the defensemen available, and then. You could go Halak here um, as a you know veteran backup if, if you wanted to go that route. Um, I don't think either of the other young guys would were really ever uh, factors for me. But overall, I kind of lead it, uh, led into this. But I thought Tory Krug was the the only way to really go out of this Boston group. He's just he's such a good defenseman uh, and and really could uh, quarterback your power play and, and everything for you potentially, um, depending. Yeah, I I wonder, AJ, about the Tory Krug situation. I have the Bruins protecting him. He's just too valuable when he's healthy, but that's a real trigger point, isn't it? He has had a little bit of trouble with injuries the last couple of years, AJ, and that might raise a spocky and eyebrow for some, but in my world, I'm keeping him, and that means I'm leaving the likes of Matt Grizzlick, John Moore, and Kevin Miller uh, open, and of those three, I definitely think Matt Grizzlick is the guy that would be a very attractive Seattle from the defense core. I agree with you with the goaltending situation, not much to choose from there, but I did land on Daniel Vladder in terms of the, the goalie picks. I think Halak is a little bit long in the tooth going into his age 35 season for the draft, so I went a little bit younger there. And then up front, you've got the likes of Sean Corrali, Chris Wagner, Joaquin Nordstrom, but I, I landed on Anders Bjork, a guy who's only 23, he'll be 24 in the draft when the draft comes up, and the Bruins are waiting on this, on this guy to possibly threaten as a top six forward, and I just think he's uh, too interesting a piece for Seattle to pass up, and uh, it would be a toss-up for me between him and Matt Grizzlick. I land on Grizzlick, the defenseman, who was a top four uh, possibility in the Seattle mix, maybe even a top-pairing guy. I like this guy's upside uh, to be a significant player for the Seattle expansion franchise. 
Well, with the Buffalo Sabres, you know, we this was one of the teams that we highlighted, uh, or at least I highlighted four defensemen being protected here. Um, and it's still left a, a decently good option in, in a guy like Jake McCabe uh, available, 26 years old, pretty modest cap hit there. Um, because of that, though, there was some forward options here. Now, I, I previously mentioned that I felt Oposo, Simmons, Johansson are all kind of the same player in a lot of ways. So you could kind of just pick one. Um, if you were going to go that route, maybe you go Johansson. He's a little bit younger, a little more offensive upside, a little cheaper. Net minding, I, I think, again, I think Carter Hutton would be the better choice um, over Johansson here uh, overall, but he is, again, a little bit older, and he really has bounced around uh, in the league just due to, you know, kind of insufficient play, if, if I'm being perfectly honest. So, But overall, I thought the pick was, um, you know, pretty straightforward. Maybe there's a slight Pittsburgh bias here for me, but I thought Dominic Cahoon made the most sense overall in terms of a forward compliment. He's just speedy. Um, you know, I've got him slotted into a fourth line role just based on the other forwards that I that I selected with this club. But he certainly is capable of moving anywhere up and down the roster, which I think gives him you know, some added value here as well. So uh, that's where I went with Buffalo. How did the Sabres, uh, you know, shake out for you, Paul? Well, I, I kept the seven forwards in the mix there and only three defensemen. But I did agree with you. Jake McCabe would be the guy that would be the most interesting piece from the blue line that would attract interest from Seattle. In the Nets, I, I think you're right with a look at Johansson as as the possible pick that would be made available. He's only going to be a 25-year-old guy, but a little unproven at the NHL level. It's the forwards, though, where there's a lot of opportunity to, to look around here. And you got from Casey Middlestad, a guy they've been waiting on, Zemgus Gergensen, a guy that has moved anywhere from the second to the fourth line overall, and he has some good skill to him. Uh, Michael Frolik, a, bit, a little bit more of an older look, and Johansson uh, heading into his age 30 year as a power play specialist here. But for me, I land in the Buffalo circumstance on Jake McCabe, a defenseman who I think brings experience and a, a good defensive posture. He's one of those possible shutdown defensemen that every team likes to have in their mix, and I see that as a role that Seattle would fill by taking him off the Buffalo roster. The Calgary Flames are up next, AJ, and uh, they caused a bit of a dilemma for me. I didn't know whether to go with four defensemen or or three. I'm kind of curious what you did there. Well, yeah, as as you know from the article, the I left Mark Giordano uh, off my save list. He'll be 37 years old by the time we get to this point, um, and I just didn't think it made sense to to protect him if I'm the Flames. So. Uh, obviously, he has offensive upside, hasn't really shown a significant dip uh, in production among the forward complement. There's a handful of you know, really young guys that you could uh, consider here, like a Dylan Dubé, um, or you could go veteran with Derek Ryan. But for me, I went kind of right in the middle. Uh, Sam Bennett, he'll be an RFA heading into that, uh, that draft. And so uh, we'll see how how that all shakes out but uh you know i really think bennett made the most sense uh goaltending options obviously cam talbot or john gillies uh 
could be under consideration, but I think, you know, pretty straightforward uh, for me at least that I thought Sam Bennett was the way to go. Yeah, I, I landed on Bennett as my mo- uh, most likely forward target. Uh, agree with you there. And uh, on defense, I left uh, J- TJ Brody available, and I think he's a guy who could be looking for a new lease on life. Uh, kind of hit a bump in the road in Calgary the last season and a half, but before that was a pretty good scorer and a key part of their their offense from the back end. Is just t- his play has just tailed off a little bit, so maybe a new circumstance would suit him and he carries a bit of a heavier price tag than most players that are made available in my listings here at 4.65 million so it would help to get them to the floor and then i landed on john gillies as the goalie uh, of most interesting to seattle it's only a 750,000 cap hit and touted once upon a time as the goalie of the future here but he's been passed by the incumbent uh, riddich over there so maybe he is more attractive as a piece going out of seattle than maybe furthering his career in calgary overall though i i don't see how seattle passes up on Sam Bennett, should he be made available, I think he would be a lock to be one of their uh, signature forwards in the top six for the new Seattle franchise. The Carolina team is up next, and uh, again, a quandary for me, what to do on that defense. Again, did you t- save four or did you save three here? Yeah, so uh, I, I did go three. There's just There were too many forward options um, you know, to, to really leave um, open and, and available. So I, I did... Uh, take three here which I think uh, when I'll get there in a second but I think it makes the selection on this team pretty straightforward uh, in, in terms of other forwards after the protected guys you know Nino Nino Rider is going to be a big name on that list but that cap hit of 5.25 million just doesn't warrant his production um, and so that's why I really stayed away from him the rest of the available guys here are, are pretty untested maybe Jordan Martinhook gets a look in terms of netminders, there are a ton of options. You know, I protected Mrazek, so you could go Vetchum with Reimer. Um, Anton Forsberg, uh, Alex Nedeljkovic are both kind of intriguing prospects. But with what I did on defense and, and leaving Brett Pesci available, I think he was the the lock here in, in terms of who to take. He gives you a solid kind of defender to, to defensive defender to pair up with an offensive guy. Again, this is somebody who could play, you know, significant minutes for you, but with the rest of how I built out my blue line, I have him slotted in as a third pairing guy um, for Carolina. So uh, a, a bit of an interesting decision there, Paul. Uh, did you protect four here? Was Pesci even available for, for your consideration? Yeah, I thought about this long and hard, AJ. There were only two teams where I protected four defensemen. This was not one of them, and that's why Pesci was available in my list. And uh, when you consider the other options here, they pale in comparison. But an interesting one was left available at forward. This guy, Ryan Zingle, he came over from Ottawa and looked like he was going to fit in as a top six piece here. But thing he's bounced around the lineup a lot played even fourth line minutes for a time eventually settling on third and really deemed to be rather unhappy with his lot in Carolina by the end of the games that were most recently played so uh, he would be happy to get a, a look somewhere else and would be considered by by Seattle if Pesci was not available, but I land on Pesci because he far exceeds the for any forward that would be available. And then you mentioned Alex Nedeljkovic, uh, a young prospect in the Nets, and there may be a case where where Carolina decides to keep him over Mrazek 
So it's a bit of a quandary there for me in terms of who they pick in the nets. I, I, I had them keeping Mrazek and making Nedeljkovic available. There are a number of teams that have other goalie situations that would be more appropriate, uh, more interesting to Seattle. So that, that's why I think they would pivot away from this situation and lock up a guy like Brett Pesci. I, I agree with you. I think we didn't agree on a lot of the ultimate picks that we made, but this is one where I think we got it 100% right. The Chicago Blackhawks up next. AJ, what did they look like for you? Yeah, so this is the first team uh, where I picked uh, picked a guy that I earmarked for the minors. Um, you know, looking at at their roster, there's some you know there's some guys that that are maybe worth consideration uh, that would be more NHL ready. But in terms of you know you're picking 30, 30 players, so you have to potentially you know plan to have seven of them in the minors, right? And so this is this is one of those spots. And for me, that was. Um, you know, Matthew Highmore among the forwards. Yes, you could look at a Zach Smith in terms of a guy NHL caliber if you wanted to go that route. Even Andrew Shaw, uh, although the injury concerns there uh, are the same reason that I also didn't go for a, a Calvin DeHaan or an Ole Mata in terms of available defensemen. Uh, and then I, I really... Crawford or uh, Malcolm Subban just didn't seem like viable options for me here. I, I protected Colin D'Elia uh, and, and feel like he's kind of the direction that they're going to go organizationally into the future. So we'll see um, how that all shakes out. But this was my first spot. Uh, Matthew Highmore has some NHL experience, but is still on a two-way deal and can be moved uh, down to the minors for them at the start of the year. Paul, uh, how did you uh, shake out with Chicago here? All right. Well, the players that are available among my forwards include Zach Smith, uh, Ryan Carpenter, and David Camp, to name a few. And they range from 20, uh, 32 to 25 in age uh, as of the close of games this past season. I wasn't as intrigued by any of them as I was with the possibility of adding a Calvin DeHaan to my defense. I know he dealt with some injury problems last year, but I'm banking on them being straightened away in time for him to help solidify a defense in in Seattle's situation. And I and I thought he's heading only into his age 29 season, so there's plenty of time to for him to still commit to that franchise and be a player of significance for a few years anyway and uh, I just think he's done enough to make him stand out in terms of the defensive options I protected uh, on defense only three guys here you had to protect Seabrook and, and Duncan Keith Seabrook could be a uh, an in LTIR situation so there's been an asterisk there and then you got Connor Murphy available as well as to be saved protected rather and so i i that left likes of olimata and dehan so i know you're not a big on olimata and uh, neither am i for that matter so it was an easy pick for me to wind up with dehan uh, as the pick i agree with you del delia is the goalie that they're going to look to in the future i was curious we did talk about the malcolm suban situation and how how he didn't get a sniff after he was acquired from Las Vegas. Uh, I, I think that puts him clearly in the second spot behind D'Elia going forward there. So DeHaan is my pick for the uh, Blackhawks. Colorado Avalanche, this is a team with rich and young players, and it was very hard to land on uh, available players that wouldn't be attractive to Seattle. I found it pretty easy to identify three guys that they would take a long, hard look at here. Yeah, definitely a handful of options, uh, especially in the, the forward ranks here. Again, um, you could go uh, uh, Nemesnikov in, in terms of uh, you know NHL experience guy. This is someone else, though, that at $4 million just doesn't seem worth it in terms of the on-ice production. Um, you know, Tyson Yost, uh, 22 years old, less than a million dollars. 
Um, you know, going to be an RFA coming up this season. So that obviously will change here by the time uh, Seattle is actually picking. But for for here and now, a, a really intriguing option. Defensively, I didn't really love a ton here. You know, Ian Cole, I think, is probably um, the the best of, of the defensive options. But I honestly looked at this group and, and kind of eliminated that position pretty quickly in terms of who I would take. Now, goaltending was a little more intriguing. Pablo Francouz is available and certainly um, is is worth considering here. And so I, I, I definitely thought about it. But ultimately, I kept circling back to Tyson Yost. Again, I have him anchoring my third line um, in terms of the combinations here. And so I like um, having that kind of young center depth. I think he's capable of being a top six guy. Uh, I don't think he's a first liner, but certainly could be a second line center for um, for a Seattle team for a significant amount of time in the future. So that's that's where I landed um, in terms of you know building out that lineup and building out my roster here. Paul, did did the D intrigue you at all here for Colorado, or did you stay away like I did? Uh, no, I I did find a piece in Ryan Graves that I thought would be considered. I mean, he rounds out the top four in in Colorado the way they finished up their games. Uh, at the end of the games that were played here recently. And I think he would find a similar status if Seattle went that route. But uh, the goaltending uh, the goaltending situation stands out to me, AJ, far and above what is available up front. The top forward available here that I found is JT Comfer, an experienced guy who's up there about $3.5 million in terms of his contract, hit uh, third-line player for Colorado. But I don't know how you look away from the goalie situation and say... Francouz did enough to really attract me as one of the top young goalies uh, that emerged this past season. Uh, when their top guy went down, they didn't miss a beat when this guy took to the nets. And I'm sure the Seattle management management took a long, hard look at this. I certainly did. And he's one of the three goalies in my mix going forward for the Seattle franchise, uh, assuming that he's made available by the Avalanche. Columbus Blue Jackets, AJ, it was a little more difficult for me to pick from this team. How did you find it here? Uh, yeah, I would agree. I, I felt uh, that there were, you know, some some uh, options here on, you know, kind of both sides of the roster uh, in terms of of goaltending. Um, you know, Kiv, uh, Matthias Kivalinkis, Kivalinks, I, I think I'm probably way off on that. I'll let you correct me here in a, in a second. But, um, you know, we saw a little bit of him in the NHL this year with um, the injuries that they had in their net mining. So, it was definitely, uh, I at least considered it. Uh, I didn't end up going that route, but it was worth considering. And I felt the same way about Ryan Murray. You know, 26 years old, uh, $4.6 million against the cap. It's, it's not outrageous. It's not great. Um, but some injury concerns there um, had me had me look in other, other places. And I, I ended up with, you know, Josh Anderson, 25-year-old winger, uh, 1.85 against the cap. Again, another guy that's going to be an RFA. I, I did find a lot of the roster that I built out um, is going to change here. There, there's, you know, a handful, a, a lot of guys that are going to be signing RFA deals either this summer or next summer, right before that draft. And so that'll obviously change the landscape significantly in terms of, you know, how Seattle can build out with with the contract situation. But I really thought Josh Anderson. Um, you know, made a, a good, solid uh, two-way player. You know, he has offensive upside. I, I don't, I don't watch a ton of Blue Jackets games all the time, but I don't think he's a huge defensive lapse. And really, 
Um, you know, we've talked about all three of these teams. So my third line is made up of Sam Bennett, Tyson Yost, and Josh Anderson. I think that's a really young uh, core that can play offensively minded hockey and would be a, a bit of a challenge, I think, honestly, against some uh, other third uh, third lines in the league. So uh, I definitely like that group to kind of round it out with Josh Anderson here. Paul, your Blue Jackets, you, you said you struggled. Where, where did you land? Well, I, I agree with you. Josh Anderson stood out among the leftovers that I had here. Uh, Kevin Stenland, Eric Robertson, Robinson, these guys are untested but i like the the upside that they may have if if they don't get picked by seattle i think they could still be productive parts of the columbus mix so there were some choices among the forwards i landed on anderson as the best of the lot like you did riley nash would be an alternative but uh heading into his age 31 i'd I'd rather go with a guy who's five years younger there the defense was where i had a lot of trouble aj i mean it's obvious they're going to keep jones horensky and then i thought vlad gavrikov was the third piece that i had so Apart, aside from Murray, I had Savard, Nudevara, and Harrington, all NHL experience guys, even Gabriel Carlson, five guys to choose from. And I think, you know, injuries, uh, issues aside, again, Ryan Murray stands out to me as the head of that class. And in the Nets, you, you mentioned Matthias Kivlevnik. Kivlenix, uh, he is a, a guy that would be available for Seattle, but uh, I think Columbus is in good hands here with the combination of Carpasala, and don't forget, Merce Lincolns is ineligible to be drafted because he was just in his first year as a pro, even though he's at tw- age 26, so that was a bit of a, an asterisk situ- situation that goes in favor of Columbus. I land on Ryan Murray as the pick that I would make from this list. And next we look at the Dallas Stars, AJ. Uh, Again, there are some uh, veterans here that I think could be of interest to Seattle. Yeah, this team had a a good number of veterans um, that really kind of uh, made you at least think, you know, uh, if you wanted more of a depth guy, they've got Blake Como, Andrew Cagliano, both uh, could be considerations. Uh, on the blue line, you know, Jamie Alexiak, uh, Roman Polak, Andre Sikara, all very similar players, um, you know, and, and, and veterans in, in their own right. And then again, on, on the back line with Anton Kudobin, if you wanted to take a, a veteran backup here for, uh, for Seattle. But for me, look, I, you know, I picked a lot of young players and, and you need to have a, a couple of veterans on this team to kind of lead the way. And I think we saw that in, uh, you know, in Vegas. And, and that's what kind of helped solidify that team. Derek England uh, being one of them, you know, a, a great veteran presence who had played uh, in Vegas prior uh, as part of uh, the minors. So to that end, uh, I went with the big cap hit uh, and, and took Captain America, Joe Pavelski here, $7 million, uh, 35 years of age. You know, he's he's not getting any younger. His numbers this year weren't great, but he's still uh, a fantastic, fantastic player. I caught a little bit of flack on social media for saying that I, I really liked my top line uh, that was anchored by Joe Pavelski, but I think he's still got plenty to offer uh, and and has a couple more good years here. And so I, I, I actually really like Pavelski as the pick. Paul, did you land on any of those veterans or were there any young guys that, that 
you know you found in the mix here well there are apart from pavelski i have hansel and blake como available if you're looking for the over 30 crowd but for me among the forwards that were remaining it was hard for me to overlook a guy like radic faxa he's a guy that's bounced around between the second and third line much of his time in dallas and i think is is a, as a center speedy guy with some offensive skill would get more of a chance to show that in a seattle circumstance and for me he heads the class in terms of, of the available players i couldn't pass on him and i didn't really want to go for the over 30 crowd as i stressed earlier defense uh, was a tough spot for me to to only stay on three players they they do have uh, St- stephen johns jamie alexiak and andre sakara as available options in my mix and for me it was easy to look at jamie alexiak as the best of that lot and uh, should he be made available to seattle i don't see how they could pass on him as being a projected a top defenseman there kudobin is the landing spot in terms of the goalies mix here but again i think there's better goalie situations for seattle to look at so i uh, i think defense is where they point their target seattle and they took take uh, jamie alexiak off the dallas roster Next, we're looking at the uh, Detroit Red Wings. And uh, at first, I thought it was going to be hard to protect uh, 10, 11, uh, 10 or 11 players here, AJ. But I did manage to do so. And, uh, well, there are a couple of names that people will recognize. But uh, we're looking at the depth of the Seattle roster here to, to fill in from the Detroit team, in my estimation. I don't think there's any top six forwards or top four defensemen that are going to help them out here. No, I definitely agree. I didn't see anybody um, that was going to be at the top. Look, when I did... My initial kind of look through, I, I pegged Evgeny Svechnikov as a player that I could tab for the minors. Um, you know, he hasn't really uh, done as well in the minors as they had hoped, and so he struggled to break into the NHL. Um, but as I kind of reevaluated things and, and looked at the cap situation, uh, I, I nabbed a, a you know a guy that'll be a sixth, seventh defenseman for them uh, in Patrick Nemeth. I, th- I think he is capable of of kind of filling in for them i don't foresee him being a a focal point of that defense by any stretch of the imagination but uh certainly i think he can provide um you know some some stability for the you know the times when injuries pop up and he's a guy you can put on the ice for you know 15 you know 15 minutes or so uh in a game and and he won't necessarily cost you the game necessarily in terms of goaltending here i i really didn't see any any options you know i protected calvin picard uh uh, pickard rather and uh you know jimmy howard jonathan bernier i don't think are really worth uh snagging either of those guys at this point in their career so uh niemeth was the kind of the easy pick for me in in a lot of ways um because like you said there's just not a lot of guys that you see are gonna be uh you know big minute top end players that that are left available here paul where did you end up with uh, the red wings well i kind of agree with you they have a lot of guys here on that are 30 plus in terms of the age this team is in a rebuild situation but they have made some long-term commitments in terms of big contract dollars to this 30 plus crowd so for me there was a no-go on all of them and uh, that caused me to look on the forward ranks and say you know, do we look at a, uh, uh, an Adam Ernie? That probably is the best pick, a left winger with some, some size and toughness to his game. 
Michael Rasmussen, a little bit younger, 21 years old. Uh, to your point about Svechnikov, the same could be said for Rasmussen. I protected Svechnikov and left Rasmussen available. That uh, might be an intriguing option. But uh, on defense, I do think you highlighted the guy that might make the most sense for uh, the Seattle franchise, and that's Patrick Nemeth. He's a guy who had some success in Dallas, more of a shutdown defender as well, not much of an upside offensively, at least shown so far in his career. But uh, again, you've got to look at the opportunity that maybe he gets more ice time in high leverage situations and you find something new about him. But at least he has a good defensive base to build upon. And so that's the guy that I would lean on in terms of Seattle's draft pick. I agree with you. There's not much available in terms of the goaltending situation. Picard, again, the most uh, Pickard again, the most available, most interesting available option back there. So for me, Nemeth is the guy, another case where you and I agreed on the pick. The Edmonton Oilers, this team is building something, and uh, there were there were uh, some easy choices to protect up front, but I don't think there was a lot in terms of what was left available for, for draft, and I'm curious to know what, what you thought about that situation. Yeah, so, you know, at the at the forward ranks, um, I, I it seemed pretty open and shut for me at, at first look, and, and there's, a, there's a guy that I took that I just had, had to have on, on this Seattle team, but... When I really started to look at things a little bit more, I think there's some intriguing prospects um, like Kaylor Yamamoto is a really interesting uh, spot here. Uh, you know, if you want to go, Jesse Pugliarvi is is certainly someone you could could make a case for. Although you know he struggled to to stick around in the NHL, so you'd have to want you want assurances that he was going to come back and play. Um, defensively, I, I didn't. You know, a, a Caleb Jones maybe would have been my most likely pick. Um, and then on the, you know, there's a bunch of guys available under, you know, 25 and under in terms of the net mining. But with Koskinen off the boards, I, I didn't really think about it. But overall, it really, you know, my first glance was James Neal. And that's where I, I ultimately ended up. He's only 32 years of age. Um, so he's got plenty of years left in the tank. He's been through this before he was with Vegas. So that would be a great thing to have in the locker room. Somebody who's, you know, had to help bind a team together in that sense. And look, James Neal hasn't missed the playoffs in about, I I looked this up a while back about 10 years, I think Mm -hmm. is his playoff streak. Um, and Edmonton looks poised, you know, if we get a postseason here, Edmonton looks poised to continue that for him. So, uh, to have a guy like that who knows what it takes to get into the playoffs, to play in the playoffs on on a team. Now, I'm not saying that Seattle is going to be as competitive as Vegas was right out the gate, but the Pacific Division has some deficiencies, and certainly there, you know, a, a roster or a, you know spot for the playoffs the first year. I don't think is out of the question, and having James Neal is, uh, in my opinion, key to that. So that's where I went. Paul, did you like anybody else here that that you really had to have? Well, it seems to me that we you had some players available that I protected. I protected James Neal on the Edmonton roster, and I also protected Kyler Yamamoto. He he looked to me like a lock to play top six minutes here for a long while after the big splash he made this past season. So those guys were protected. I left a guy like Alex Chason available uh, at, heading into his age 30 year at a 2.1 million 
2.1 million uh, cap hit. He's a guy that, again, comes with a little bit of grit, some offensive upside. He even played some specialty teams in Edmonton. Marcus Grandl is another guy that could be of interest. And Jujar Kyra had a nice run for about a month and a half in the second half of this season. So some good offensive options there. And on defense, Adam Larson, uh, only 27 years old, a good shutdown guy. He comes with a $4 million cap hit. I have him available. If you want a little bit older and a defensive acumen there as well, Chris Russell might fit that bill. Brandon Manning, a, a guy, another third option on defense. So there were some choices here. Even Matt Benning, four good defensive options to choose from. And in the Nets, you know, uh, things are a little bit thin after Koskinen Smith at age 39 will not be of interest to Seattle in that mix. So they'll pivot away from the defense situation. And for me, I looked at the Edmonton group and I said, hard to pass up on a guy like Alex Chason, an honest player who could uh, push players. I think he'd be a real good team guy too. Florida Panthers up next, AJ. Yeah, with the Panthers, uh, I, I am going to, you know, dip. Uh, this will be the second instance of, of dipping into that uh, that Miners uh, selection. But as far as other options uh, that I liked, you know, Eric Halla, I think, was uh, provided some intrigue. 29-year-old center, relatively cost-effective, but that knee injury uh, just had me staying away, and I just I wasn't too confident in it overall. There's a handful of young prospects that you could take a flyer on and, and could stick in the the minors here, but um, I, I passed on the rest of the forward complement and I passed on the defense too. You know, Eric uh, Anton Strawman would be your kind of veteran option here, uh, and then you know we talked previously about Mark Pissick, Michael Matheson, all being uh, you know in contention as, as as far as being protected or or available. But ultimately, for me, uh, I went with my third my net my third netminder, the guy I'll stick in the minors, you know, for opening day, and that's Chris Dreiser. Had a great kind of uh, fill in for for Sergey Bobrovsky. The Panthers can't protect Dreiser because Bobrovsky has a no movement clause, um, so they're kind of stuck here. And, and I think Dreiser makes a lot of sense. Um, hey, that I, was pretty I, open and shut for me, Paul. What about you for the Florida Panthers? Yeah, I couldn't wait to jump in there and agree with you, AJ. Chris Dreger showed very well, actually outplayed Sergei Bobrovsky, and really it underscores the goalie dilemma that, that Florida has as long as Bobrovsky flops like he did last year. And I don't mind repeating, I called that a long time ago. Uh, he was going to be in a tough division, and uh, he was uh, certainly exposed in a lot of those divisional games during the course of the season. And Dreger's going to look awfully good and maybe tempting and, and certainly a good option in the Nets for Seattle. I'm sure that that's the way they're going to go uh, to fill out the, the possibilities up front. I looked at Noel Achari, a guy who's a good centerman, good uh, in the circle and, and a very physical force. You can see I always emphasize that aspect. He even reached the 20-goal mark last year, which was a career high. So there's some offensive upside there that might tempt Seattle. And Mackenzie Weger, another tempting option among the defensemen in Florida. I went with only keeping three, and that meant he who rounds out the top four in in Florida would be available in this draft but I don't see how they pass up on Dreger if they watched any Florida highlights during the course of his games this season up next the LA Kings this is a te- another team in a full rebuild mode and uh, really the pickings are a little bit slim in terms of what might be made available to Seattle AJ we can go through that one pretty quickly I think yeah, so, you know, uh, off the top, there's a handful of veterans. Uh, the one forward that I maybe considered was Austin Wagner. Uh, I think he's kind of up and coming, but he hasn't really gotten there yet, so I, I didn't ultimately land there. Defensively, as you said, pretty thin. 
Uh, I went with Paul Ledoux was was my pick. Uh, he's still minor eligible, and that's probably where I would stick him to start the year. So uh, another one of those uh, minor league guys for me. Uh, and that means I passed on Jonathan Quick. I, I you know I think he's a great option if if you pick him, Paul. I certainly won't argue with that. Um, but when I built out my roster, I, I started with my my goalie tandem that I knew that I wanted, and and it didn't include Quick. Um, and I, I think an argument can certainly be made, and, and I wouldn't uh, begrudge anybody that choice. But I protected Cal Pedersen, um, which meant Quick was available. Uh, did you make that choice, or, or what did you do uh, with your, your goaltending? Did you take Quick, or did you avoid him? I, I left him available in the draft. I protected Peterson. Uh, I think you look at that $5.8 million cap hit, and you think, uh, you know what, there's other options in the Nets that make more sense. He's got a lot of mileage on him. In terms of the other options on defense, Ben Hutton really stood out to me. This guy is a great skater, AJ, and I think he he's a solid two-way defenseman. Some up- offensive skills there and and uh, good in the defensive zone. So I, I would think he would be the standout option here because among the forwards, I picked uh, I took Trevor Moore as the best available guy. And I just think when you can get a, an experienced hand on the blue line who can really skate, and that's a skating game as we know it in the NHL now it's hard for me to look away from Ben Hutton uh, Seattle's best option here the Minnesota Wild this is another team where I looked at four defensemen AJ only one of a couple of teams that I did and that in fact uh, I wonder if you did the same thing but go ahead and tell us yeah I went, I went with three defensemen here oh. um, because I like a number of their young options and so that left a Jonas Brodin available. Now I got more flack about that than anything else on social media with people saying that Dumba um, should have been the one left exposed, but I will, uh, you know, there's a couple of forwards that, that are certainly in the mix um, for consideration, but nobody that really stuck out to me. Um, so for me, I, I protected Brodin. Um, but if you want to make the argument that Minnesota or rather I picked Brodin because I left him exposed. But if you want to make the assumption that Dumba, Dumba should have been the guy that was exposed, then I would have picked him. So I think for me, it's it's an either or whichever guy you leave exposed, you could protect for. But I just liked the depth uh, that it helped them keep uh, in house by by only doing three and letting one of those two guys walk, uh, you know, as the pick here. But I think it's pretty open and shut for me. If, if Minnesota only protects three, regardless of who, who those three are, I think uh, that that fourth number four defenseman will be the guy taken by Seattle. Paul, it sounds like maybe you went and protected four uh, defensemen, with, which probably left open guys like Greenway, stuff like that. What, uh, what did you do? Absolutely did, my friend. Minnesota is one of those defensemen producing factories, and that's their bread and butter. I don't think they stray away from that and protecting the four guys. You mentioned a difficult choice. Why not eliminate that and, and keep both of them? That would mean Brad Hunt might be the fifth option there, and he was the best of the rest, in my opinion. Devin Dubnik on, in the Nets um, starting to slow down a little bit, and I think people are noticing that $4.3 million cap hit might prove onerous as he probably will face an expansion-type uh, workload, a big, heavy workload behind maybe not one of the better defensemen, defenses in hockey. Up front, Joel Eriksson-Eck, one of the young forwards that would be made available. You mentioned they have a whole host of them, but I don't know how you stay away from peaking four defensemen, and that means you've got to lose uh, a nice talent up front. And uh, if Eriksson-Eck is available, I think he's the guy that Seattle plucks off this roster. The Montreal Canadiens up next, and uh, some dilemmas here for the Canadians, I think, too. 
Yeah, I think the Canadians will have some choice, some some difficult choices to make. Um, but once you get past those, um, you know, I, I think the choice in terms of who to take for Seattle was pretty easy for me. Um, you know, I, I think Paul Byron is is the the guy to go with. Uh, you know, 31 years of age, cap hit at 3.4 million is certainly warranted by his on ice production. I've got him slotted into a second line role for me here. Um, you know, maybe yes, Barry Kotanemi is a, is a consideration here. You know, that he's 19 years old, plays center, could certainly factor into the top six in the next year or two. Um, on the blue line, Cal Fleury was the one player that I that I considered uh, from the D. I'm, I'm not touching Shea Weber at 34 years of age in that huge cap hit. Um, and I don't like any of the netminders, really, Keith Kincaid or Charlie Lindgren. Uh, certainly not enough to, to take them. So once I've made the decisions on who to protect, and I would encourage our listeners, if you want to see uh, in detail of that, check out that, that week's article for the Atlantic uh, Division there. But for me, once I made those choices, Paul Byron was the easy pick in terms of who Seattle would take. So, Paul, uh, how did that all shake out for you? I agree. Paul Byron is the last of the Mohicans up front that uh, I couldn't protect. and I would have liked to. So he really stands out as the best of the rest. I mean, you compare with Dale Weiss and Jordan Wheel, you get my point. Jasper Kotkaniemi is also available from my list. But I, I think the guy, the youngster has some talent but he really hasn't put his game together and he's had a couple of seasons i don't like what i see out of him and i don't think seattle would either when they have a chance to get a veteran hand like byron he could be a real leader on that team and i don't see how they pass him up the other options on the defense brett kulak noel Juleson, and ben Sherratt. those are some of the options that they could choose from that are below the age of 30 i agree with you shea weber is not a guy i protect in this mix and uh, maybe the goalie of interest here is charlie lindgren but uh, he's not even the goalie of the future in Montreal, so I don't think Seattle pivots in that direction. For me, that means that Byron is an easy choice to be the guy that gets plucked off this roster. The National Predators, AJ, I'll tip my hand again. This is the second team that I went with four defensemen. I'm curious to know if you made that call as well. Yeah, I absolutely did. I, I think they're just they're too good of, of a group here uh, to consider leaving uh, any of those guys out, you know, Dante Fabro will be the, the big name that um, maybe some people who aren't familiar with Nashville might be a little surprised by, but he's a young up and coming uh, top four defenseman for them. So I don't see any situation in which they leave him uh, exposed in this draft uh, on the back end. I actually protected UC Saros. So Peke Rene was a consideration for me at least. Um, and I actually really like uh, he's mostly been in the minors, uh, Troy Grosnick uh, is a is a solid AHL player. He's 30 years old, so his chances of being a, a top NHL guy are probably slim. So I think if I hadn't taken Dreiser as my minor league netminder, uh, I might have taken a look at Grosnick. Uh, but ultimately, uh, I went with Colton Sissons uh, from the forward complement. Now there are some big names that are that are certainly. Uh, carrying big cap hits that are available in Kyle Turris, Mikael Granlund. Um, but I had to save a little bit of money again, you know, really trying to stay under that $81.5 million cap. So Colton Sissons has a younger, cheaper option, and he's signed long-term, which is going to be great for Seattle. He's under contract through the 2025-26 uh, season. So, you know, they don't even have to worry about that. They can take him 
and uh, plug them in for for a number of years. So, Paul, uh, what what did you do? Was there anybody left on defense that you wanted to take, or did you go with a forward here? I, you know what, the best of a ba- of a powerful lot on the defense for me in this situation was Jared Tenorti. I've been watching this guy ever since junior, and I remember his father the way he played the game—a tough, physical guy who can really scrap. And Tenorti is also that kind of player. And there could be room for a guy still in this league if he can play the game. And Tenorti certainly looks to me like he can. So he's part of that uh, defenseman factory now in Nashville. I think we're going to see the best out of him in years to come. But I just think that when you protect four defensemen, you leave too many forwards of quality available. You mentioned Mikhail Grandlin was one of them on your list. He was one on mine. And this guy has been a top scorer in this league before. And he had a bit of an up and down run the last year and a half, two years. But I think in a new situation in Seattle, he could become their signature offensive piece. And I think if he's available, too hard to pass him up. And uh, the easy choice for me in in terms of Nashville, if he's available. New Jersey uh, Devils are up next. Boy, this was the hardest team for me to go through, AJ. I make no bones about it. Not a lot left once you protect uh, seven forwards, 3D, and a goalie here. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is pretty thin uh, pickings here. You know, I looked at the remaining forward complement. Honestly, the names that I maybe consider, uh, uh, Kevin Rooney, he's got a little bit of NHL experience. Um, you know, maybe Nick Merkley, if you, if you like his NHL game or his AHL game rather. Um, but, uh, there really wasn't a ton of forward options, a little bit more, you know, things opened up on the D a little bit and I left PK Subban exposed. I think the devils probably want to get away from that contract, uh, after a disappointing year this season. And then Mirko Mueller, uh, I think was worth uh, consideration as well in terms of the net minding. Look, uh, you know, they, they've got two young guys that don't really make sense. And I don't think, Corey Schneider makes sense either. You're not, you know, they stuck him in the minors for part of this season. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you want that $6 million cap hit. But I did take P.K. Subban as my guy here. And I know that $9 million is a lot. Um, but Seattle would only be on the hook for that for one year. Um, if he can bounce back, have a good year for you at 31 years. Or, yeah, he'd be 31 at that point. You get one year out of him. And then you can decide, did we get the bad pk suvan and we're not on the hook for anything anymore we've got nine million dollars in cap space heading into our second season just by letting him walk do you renegotiate a lower deal i I think there's a lot that made sense in terms of long term with that um and hope that he kind of has a bounce back year uh after what happened in in new jersey so uh, i i did make that pick Paul, did you touch P.K. Subban here, or are you uh, looking at some of these other options? You know what? You're making a solid case for him. I mean, off the ice, this guy would be the media darling in Seattle. You know that they'd, he'd be the signature, the face of the franchise for at least a year. But I don't know how you justify spending $9 million on a guy whose game has just about disappeared like it has in the last couple of years. And uh, I don't want to solve uh, New Jersey's cap problem, even if it's for one year, by taking him off the roster. I'd rather look at uh, prospects if I can find one here. Uh, you mentioned the goalie situation not offering that possibility. Defense, the best of the, of the remainder for me is Connor Carrick, a guy who has uh, 
some offensive skill. He's played some power play time in his past and could be a guy that they look to in that regard if he was a uh, consideration. But for me, they're looking at a guy also. You mentioned some AHL success. Well, Yanni Kuokkanen, a former recent second-round draft pick by the Devils, is a guy that they believed in a little bit. And, and I'd like to see him get a chance to play somewhere else if he can't fit into the New Jersey mix. He's still only 21 and uh, could could get that break if he goes to Seattle. And I think they take a flyer on him. The New York Islanders, uh, again, here were some interesting choices. I landed on a defenseman. I'll tip my hand in this regard, AJ, to give you a bit of a glimpse. But uh, again, I found the pickings rather slim around uh, the forward and goalie situation. So that focused on the blue line for me. Absolutely agree with that, Paul. You know, if I had to pick a couple forwards that you maybe think about, uh, Derek Broussard, you know, since leaving Ottawa, things have not been great for him in terms of production, but certainly. Uh, you could maybe make a case there if you want a younger option, maybe a Ross Johnston um, could be someone that you would consider. But again, it's it's pretty thin. Uh, the net mining, you know, I protected. Um, uh, I left Grice exposed uh, and Jared Coro here. I think all this goes out the window as soon as Sorokin signs with this team. I think then Varlamov will probably be exposed as well. Uh, you know, Thomas Grice may not even be back next year. He'll be a free agent this this summer. Um, so a lot of things change, I think, uh, once Sorokin actually makes the jump to the NHL here. But on the blue line, there were uh, two veterans and Johnny Boychuk and Andrew, Andy Green that, you know, you could maybe consider. But I think it was an open and shut case for me and Devin Taves, uh, 26 years old. Uh, you know, he'll be an RFA this year. He'll probably get a bridge deal that'll bump his cap hit. But right now it's just 700,000. So pretty cheap guy. I've got again, I've got him on my third pairing uh, paired up with Brett Pesci. And I think those two would work great together, um, you know, and, and really be a third line that would play closer uh, to 15, 16 minutes a night. I, I think they'd see big minutes. Taves long term could be uh, long term could be your number one uh, power play guy. Uh, heading into the future so for me I thought it was open and shut Paul uh, was it a little bit harder choice for you absolutely not this is another one where you and I agreed AJ so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it a a Devin Taves figures to be a top pairing defenseman here in my estimation Chris Gibson the best of a an ordinary lot in the nets not inspiring enough for me to go the goaltending route and neither is Derek Broussard probably the best of the remaining forwards who has bounced around the NHL the last couple of years guy has an offensive side to his game but he couldn't check his coat and that's why he he's a guy that uh, has been has been moved around the league just can't find his 200 foot game and uh, would be expendable here but i don't know how you avoid picking devin taves if he's available uh, the best of this lot by miles the new york rangers a team in a rebuild mode uh, they've got some young players that might be of interest well, for me, there wasn't really any question here. I, I knew who I wanted in, in building out Seattle, and I wanted to follow the formula uh, that Vegas had done before them. So for me, uh, I'll just leave it at this. It, it was pretty quick choice to take Henrik Lundqvist here. Yes, I get, I understand the, the age concerns there, but he's sixth all-time on the wins list. You bring him in for a year or two um, as kind of the face of your franchise. This is a guy that knows everything there is about media interaction having spent his career in the big apple uh, i don't think there's a real downside to having him lead your club for a year or two uh, he, i think he's more just been kind of forced out 
Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a, a, a dip in play here by him overall. I just think they have young netminders that they need to get in the mix uh, here for the Rangers. And so uh, I loved Henrik Lundqvist as the pick here, and I didn't really even consider anybody else. So, Paul, I'll leave it to you to outline other options because for me there wasn't any. Well, uh, if I'll say this about the Seattle franchise. If they pick Henrik Lundqvist, they better make sure he wants to come out there because I don't know how this guy leaves Broadway. He's all about the fashion scene there and been uh, the king there for so long. I know it's a three-headed monster in the Nets. I just think he has one more year to go, and he'll only play that out if it's in New York. So I discounted that a little bit. So I'd be curious. that'll be one of the topics we can knock around our coffee table for the rest of this offseason and until that decision is made for sure. The defense was an interesting possibility. Brendan Smith is a guy who moved down the depth chart as they added some nice pieces ahead of him. But this guy is a smooth-skating player uh, with an abundance of offensive skill that could be attractive to Seattle. I think the same can be said for a Brett Howden up front and uh, at center ice, and he's a guy that I landed on as a top prospect that would be of interest to the Seattle franchise as a guy who has the ability to skate in in the modern game and uh, has the offensive skills that could make him a top part of the top three scoring lines in Seattle. I think that that's the direction they're going to go forward with. The Ottawa Senators up next, and uh, another team in a rebuild mode. So you wonder if there are many uh, offensive, uh, that many pieces that are uh, attractive to Seattle on this roster. AJ. Yeah, I thought there were a couple of youngsters that that I would take a look at, and ultimately I did pick a younger player who I would tab for the minors here uh, at the start. You know, the couple names that were intriguing to me were uh, Vitaly Abramov and Philip Ch- uh, Chiplek. Uh, I think both could be viable candidates from the forward group. On defense, I think you could take your choice of Christian Molanen or uh, Christian Yaros. Either one, uh, I think, would be a capable choice. Net mining, uh, Marcus Hogberg would be the most intriguing spot here. Um, but I, again, there were, as you've kind of alluded to, there were other net miners that I had in mind um, you know, at the start here. So I, at this point, I wasn't really even thinking uh, a, a net miner here. So I did go with Will Lannan. Uh, I like the, the bit of an off- offensive upside for him. Relatively cheap. I don't think when he signs his RFA or he comes off an RFA just before the, the Seattle draft will happen. I don't really expect that he'll cost them a significant uptick in money. So I think you can get a savings for a guy that, you know, at least for now you can, can tab for the miners here. So uh, I went uh, kind of young up and comer here out of Ottawa. Not that there were a ton of uh, NHL ready guys, but Paul, is, how did you uh, make your decision with Ottawa? Well, you just said who I picked. His name is, <laughs> his name is Nicholas Paul. <laughs> so I, I went with that choice. A young guy who was battling for third line minutes when games were suspended. He just started to show his offensive upside most recently. And I, I think if Seattle was paying attention, they would have liked what we, they saw there. In terms of defense, the best option that would be made available in my world would be Nikita Zaitsev. He's got an onerous contract cap hit, though, for the what he gives you on the ice. $4.5 million was an overpay, overpay by uh, Lou Lamorello, maybe the only mistake he made when he was the GM of the Leafs, I'll say, giving the long-term commitment to Zaitsev, and Ottawa's going to have to eat that one for a while still. Marcus Hochberg, an interesting and in- intriguing possibility in the Nets that Seattle may look at, only a $700,000 cap hit on an entry-level deal. That's going to go up once he escapes that because he's shown enough, but I think Nicholas Paul is the guy that Ottawa is going to lose in this uh, draft situation. 
Philadelphia is up next, AJ, and uh, I might surprise you with the guy that I'm going to uh, pick for the Seattle franchise off this roster, but I'm, I want to know what you've done here. Uh, for for the Flyers, you know, I, I took a look at, um, you know, kind of youthful options. I, I wasn't going to go Michael Raffle or, or Nate Thompson. Um, you know, there's Nolan Patrick. I left exposed. Oscar Limbaugh, I left exposed. But both of those guys are dealing with kind of long-term medical issues, which I think could be resolved by the time we actually get to a draft here. So they could obviously um, – do well enough this year to make themselves protected assets. They could do well enough to make themselves uh, intriguing prospects. There's some veterans available on the blue line in Matt Niskanen and Justin Braun, who um, I, I, you know, took a look at. And then in net mining, you know, again, as we've kind of highlighted, uh, it seems at, at nauseum here, perhaps uh, a veteran option in Brian Elliott, if you wanted a, a veteran backup or a youngster in Alex Lyon, uh, that could be in the mix. Carter Hart was the obvious protected name. But ultimately, I landed on Scott Lawton uh, as basically my fourth-line center. Uh, I think he's uh, got uh, a, a solid season under his belt. I think we're going to see more of the same this year. And he's going to be a dangerous, you know, kind of bottom six producer for the Flyers, I think, heading into next year. Paul, where did you uh, go? What direction did you go with this club? Well, I looked at their defense to, to cut to the chase, AJ. This is a team that's built a, a lot of depth on the blue line here. And so if you're protecting only three players, I, I protected some younger ones here. And that left uh, Shane Gostisbehere available. I, I protected Philip Myers, Travis Sanheim, and Ivan Provorov to me. Uh, and uh, along with Nat, Matt Niskan, and that's a core, a nice core four that they have. And Gostas Bear doesn't fit into that mix. And a, he's only a couple of years removed from that 60-point season that he had and showed a lot of offensive upside. I think he's going to get ample opportunity to do the same thing in a new situation in Seattle. And to me, it's an open and shut case. This is the direction that the, the Seattle franchise goes in because, as you mentioned, once you protect the core of offensive pieces up front, you're looking at the likes of uh, tra- James Van Riemsdyk, Michael Raffle, and Nate Thompson, or Nolan Patrick, the troubled youngster who just can't stay healthy, and Oscar Lindblom dealing with his cancer issues. We would certainly wish him well there. But uh, to me, the focus is on defense possibilities, and that means that Gostas Bear is an easy pick from in my world for seattle the pittsburgh penguins okay buddy this is where it's going to get interesting and maybe sensitive for you when i make my pick but you go first (laughs) well yeah so um you know once once you protect the the forward options uh the kind of two names that popped off the the list of as potential for me were patrick hornquist uh, as a veteran guy or connor uh sherry uh, as a as a youngster that just came back um, to to Pittsburgh right before the trade deadline, um, but ultimately I, I avoided both those guys. Um, in in on the back end in terms of defense, I left Justin Schultz exposed, uh, and and I think that's a fair assessment based on where his season has been uh, the last couple of years, and that's ultimately who I tabbed as as my pick here was Justin Schultz because. Uh, I think he can be a capable, capable offensive contributor. I think out the gate he slots in potentially as your second quarterback, uh, second power play quarterback. Um, but uh, you know, I left Matt Murray exposed. But I think his uh, his last couple of years have made him maybe not the best option here um, for Seattle to take in terms of their goaltending, uh, you know, tandem. Like I said, I've got. Henrik Lundqvist to kind of headline it for a year or two. So to have Matt Murray sitting there, 
you know, not seeing significant amount of ice as as the backup, quote unquote, to Henrik Lundqvist didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Uh, I protected Tristan Jari instead. Um, so that's where I went with the Penguins. Sounds like, Paul, maybe you uh, – did you take Matt Murray? Did you take Tristan Jari? What what'd you do on the Nets here? I, I had the Penguins holding on to Jari, and, and I don't see how the Seattle franchise looks anywhere else but Matt Murray as their goalie of the future. He's only 25 years old. He's got a couple of cups – uh, experiences under his belt already that's quite a resume and i know you're protecting him aj you want this guy to be part of the mix long term to, to be a goalie tandem with tristan jari and pittsburgh so you want less talk about him uh, that you can get i think he's the guy that seattle's going to tab and i think he's going to be their number one goalie just like the vegas team had a little bit of success plucking a goalie off your roster a couple of years ago chad ruedel is the best defenseman available in my estimation here would be an interesting consideration if murray wasn't around and the same could be said i wonder if you protected Teddy Bluger. I had him being available in the Seattle mix. Uh, so I, I think Matt Murray's an easy pick for me. The San Jose Sharks up next. This is a team that is looking at a rebuild down the road. And so again, I found that picking is a little bit slim when I come up with my best forward defenseman and goalie. Uh, the goalie situation could be an intriguing one here. Yeah, for me, I, uh, you know, this is a one, one more team where I've got a, a guy tabbed for the minors here. Um, and that's I did take him out of the forward group, and that's Antti Sumella has some NHL experience, so you like that. He's still eligible to be sent down. I did think about Melker Carlson, um, but Sumella saves you uh, about 1.3 million against the cap comparatively. So that's that's kind of what I what I came down to. I needed guys that could go to the minors. Um, I needed cap considerations here. Tim Heed was really the the pick of the litter as as far as I'm concerned on on the blue line um, as a shutdown defender, uh, but I I ultimately avoided that. And then uh, protecting your netminder is the biggest decision that's that this team is going to face. And so I still protected Marty Jones at this point only because Aaron Dell hasn't really stepped up this year when he had opportunities. Um, but I could certainly be convinced uh, if you made a different choice here, Paul. Yeah, I went with Aaron Dell just because Marty Jones has really struggled for a couple of years, and he's on the books till 2024. Uh, so they'd love to see uh, that contract leave. And uh, Aaron Dell has become uh, kind of a 1A here, and you get him for a third of the price. So I think San Jose takes a long look at that and says, yeah, that sounds like about right for me. On the blue line, I did not protect Brett Burns. He's got five more years on an $8 million cap hit uh, heading into his age 36 season. I say come get him if you want him, uh, Seattle. Uh, the best defenseman made, made available uh, in my estimation here is Tim Heed. He's shown an offensive upside to his game played some top four minutes here and would be an attractive option to the seattle franchise as well up front joe thornton wants to play some more but at four at 40 years of age they're going to look away from that situation stefan noison is the name that jumps out at me 27 years old coming off an entry-level deal and a guy who is on the fringe of being a top six forward here he would be in the same circumstance in seattle and i don't see why they wouldn't take him that brings us now to the St. Louis Blues. The defending cup champions have uh, some tough choices in terms of making their protected list, AJ. Yeah, and a number of names that I left exposed in terms of your veterans are uh, Steen, Bozak, and Perron. I really considered taking Perron, you know, having him uh, have another go through this experience as well uh, with James Neal there. I, I definitely thought about it. Um, but again, you know, those cap considerations are, are really tough when, when you're trying to, 
know, be as true and realistic as possible. In terms of defense, I think Justin Falk was the most likely uh, name here for me as far as the available guys. Um, and then in the Nets, I, you know, maybe Jake Allen would would be a consideration. Maybe he, you know, you take him. It's kind of the rejuvenation that he would need to to get back to to being a top player. But ultimately, I landed on Jordan Cairo, uh, a 21 year old. Uh, making you know uh, on his ELC set to be an RFA after the 20 uh, after next season rather I have him slotted in as my one of my two healthy scratches in terms of my forward complement here but I certainly think he would challenge guys like Sonny Milano uh, or Josh Anderson who I, I talked about before for for regular minutes here and could certainly be in the mix um, for a consistent spot in the lineup. So Jordan Cairo was, was the pick for me here. Paul, uh, what did you decide? Well, again, uh, some easy choices to protect up front, That, but that still left the likes of Tyler Bozak, Oscar Sundquist, Ivan Barbashev, Jacob De La Rose, Sammy Blay. Jordan Cairo was available as a whole mitt full of guys there. But I looked at the defense here, AJ, and I don't know what's going to happen with Alex Pietrangelo, but, so I didn't include him in this mix. Colton Pareko, Justin Falk with that long-term commitment from St. Louis. They want him to be a part of things there until he started to perform the way he did this year. Maybe they're rethinking that, and they may leave him available, to your point. Vince Dunn is the other guy I had them protecting. That left Marco Scandella available for me, and uh, coming into his age 31 season, this guy was bounced around a little bit the last year, but looked good in Montreal, looked good in St. Louis as well, and I think Seattle would take a hard look at him if he was available, and he's the guy that I think that could could get get plucked off the, the roster here by the expansion franchise up to next AJ we're down to the last few teams the Tampa Lightning one of the top teams in the Atlantic Division and again they are loaded for bear in terms of talent up front and maybe even on defense so there were some intriguing names that are left off my protected list how about you yeah absolutely the the handful of guys you know this is a deep deep team uh you know their top nine really uh, are all worthy of consideration uh, in terms of protecting or, or you know, taking. Once I, again, once I got through that, the two names that stuck out to me the most on their, their roster are Yanni Gord and Blake Coleman. Uh, both are 28 years old. Uh, Coleman's a significant cap savings compared to Gord. But again, uh, with Yanni Gord, you're getting him locked up through the 2025 season. So that's certainly uh, a consideration for Seattle as well. And ultimately, why I tabbed him uh, to you know to be on that top line um, you know I had Gord Pavelski and Neil as my top line and I think that's really a good group of guys that have produced consistently uh, at points in their career on the blue line you could have certainly taken a look at Kevin Shattenkirk he has kind of rebounded this year uh, struggled a little bit after he left St. Louis um, but hasn't done enough for me to warrant him being the pick here and then in the Nets, you know, a uh, few names you could talk about. Scott Wedgwood maybe uh, would be the only one that I would really maybe consider here. But ultimately, uh, I think once Yanni Gord is left exposed, he's really the best uh, player here to take and maybe the best player on this entire Seattle team. I agree with you. That's my short answer with the Tampa breakdown, AJ. I don't know how they would protect him uh, in the mix offensively in Tampa, and it's a shame they would have to lose a talent of that level, and I agree with you. He would instantly become the signature uh, piece offensively in the mix in Seattle. Just for the heck of it, I I will mention Kevin Shattenkirk, Braden Coburn, Zach Bogosian. 
and uh, that's some of the names up front that, on defense that would be available in this mix. Uh, you can make a case that that Bogosian could be interesting for his toughness. Cal Foote is another prospect that uh, would be available in this mix, and people are expecting him to be a player of some consequence before all is said and done. Certainly has the pedigree there, so some real interesting possibilities, but I agree with you. Uh, the forward uh, mix uh, with Yanni Gourd uh, would would have to be where they would look in terms of Seattle's pick in this circumstance. Another tough one comes up next when we talk about my favorite club, club the Maple Leafs, AJ. Uh, hard for me to, to really zero in on the ultimate pick, but I made my choice. And again, looking to see how you from afar break down this roster and the possibilities. Yeah, I think in the Nets, you know, Jack Campbell, there's a reason that they went out and, and brought him in. And so certainly a, a young uh, up-and-coming player that, that you could maybe consider uh, taking if, if that was the direction of what you're looking for. You and I, we talked uh, in our previous show, we you know had some disagreements on how they would shake out this blue line, but even, even with the way I did it, with Jake Muzzin being um, available as potential uh, selection here, I just don't think that's uh, really the the way that I would go from this team and the player that I liked more than anyone else was Alex Kerfoot uh, the center you know I think he could really uh, see an uptick in his production this year um, or in this situation because he would get I think a second line center role potentially with with Seattle and you know unfortunately for him your Leafs are just so uh, deep up front that he's just not going to be in the top six with that club unless they move him to the wing it just isn't going to happen so with a seattle he could see a, a pretty good jump in production because he's going to see a pretty big jump in minutes and that's why i really liked kerfoot as a young center who's got some term left on his deal Paul, how'd you make the difficult choice here? Well, I arrived at the same player, and, and interesting for me is uh, of the three offensive players that are available from the Leafs roster, he's the only one that can really play center and wing, and that's what made him more valuable to the club perhaps than the other two guys. Uh, we talk about Andreas Johnson and uh, Kasperi Kapanen uh, as those two fellows, but I, li- I think the Leafs like the upside from those two guys on the wing, so Kerfoot would be the odd man out uh, in that situation. In terms of defense, I think they have an intriguing option that would be left off the list too in Justin Hall. He signed a multi-year deal at $2 million a season for the next couple of seasons. That could, would be some cost certainty for Seattle for a guy who may be the most improved player on the Maple Leafs roster this past season. You mentioned Jack Campbell in the Nets. Uh, some people around here are saying maybe he could be the goalie, uh, the full-time goalie if the Leafs don't arrive at a contract with Freddie Anderson in the next calendar year. So that remains to be seen. But I, I think that Alex Kerfoot is the guy. I agree with you. Vancouver Canucks up next, and uh, this team has turned things around fairly quickly. They got a dynamic group of forwards, and I wonder if there's anybody beyond the first seven that could be available that, that would be of an interest to you. I certainly found one. The defense is a little bit more hard to find an uh, available player that might make sense, and the same could be said in the net. So I lean on a forward in this case. Well, I actually didn't go with any of the forwards here, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I went with the blue line instead. You know, there. The one guy that I really liked in this this group, based on cost, age, and uh, potential upside, was Adam Gaudet. And I really thought about it, um, you know, as a player that I think I think he's still minor eligible, and so I could have, you know, had him be one of my guys uh, that that would start the year on the minors. Um, but 
I, I ended up going for a defenseman, and that was Jalen Chatfield, kind of an up-and-coming guy. Again, just 23 years old. He slots into my fill one of my seven minor minor league spots here. Uh, you know, and so that's where I went for this club. There wasn't anybody that I really loved in terms of an NHL guy, especially when you factor in their, their cap hits here. Um, so ultimately I, I went for organizational depth out of Vancouver here. Paul, uh, who was this, uh, this mystery forward that you took? Well, you mentioned him. It was Adam Gaudet. And I think he, uh, comes to prominence in, in Seattle's situation just because like the Leaf situation, Gaudet finds himself behind two guys that are fixtures in Vancouver. So you won't unseat Bo Horvat or Elias Pettersson. But when I put my forward lines together, he, I gave him a top six role because he was one of my top producers last season on pace for a 40-point season. And I can't say that about too many guys in my offensive mix. So Gaudet would, would be my piece. In terms of the rest of the players that were con- under consideration on defense for me, it was Oscar Fantenberg. But he's a third-pairing guy in Vancouver, and I think he'd be hard-pressed to even find that role with the wealth of defensemen that are available in the expansion draft here and then Thatcher Demko would be a goalie who might be of interest he had some stretches where Markstrom was injured where he showed very well but we all know in Vancouver Jacob Markstrom's going to be the goalie for the uh, long term there so Demko would be expendable and that uh, means to me I think they take a hard look at Adam Gaudet uh, Gaudet is a signature piece there uh, in the Vancouver in the Seattle expansion selection process from Vancouver the Washington Capitals are up next AJ we got two teams left uh, where do you go from here well this was the second uh, point of contention uh, with with this article that that people had some disagreements on um, and that was I left Ilya Samsonov unprotected I think uh, Brayden Holpe is still just 31 years of age I think he's uh, got plenty left in the tank he's won them a Stanley Cup, um, you know, there are plenty of people um, that that disagreed with that. And so um, for me, I think this is the team where you get a netminder regardless. If you if you want to protect Samson off as, as the netminder of the future here, um, which, you know, arguments are certainly valid to that point, then I think i take Brayden Holtby instead. And I probably wouldn't take Holtby and um, – Lundqvist. I, I would have to take somebody else that's more of an up-and-comer like Samsonov if I if I took Holpe. Um, but for me, I think it's pretty uh, fair to say that regardless of which one of those guys uh, Washington wants to protect, I think the other one makes a lot of sense in terms of the pick for Seattle. Well, I, I know the goaltending conundrum certainly exists in Washington, but I picked my three guys already, so I stayed away from the, that controversy, AJ, and I focused on the other two positions. Lars Eller has played third-line minutes in Washington for a while. Again, the problem that we've seen with a couple other teams is the depth chart that center main, means that a pretty good player is relegated to third-line role. He could be attractive as a top-six guy in the Seattle situation, in my estimation. The same can be said in terms of defensemen here. They've got some quality and they've got they got some experience and toughness and Brad Kokudis is a guy that is expendable in this mix for me and I think he's the guy that I lean on to be part of the grit factor and leadership core in the Seattle expansion uh, drafting and so I think he's the guy that would be more apt to be their choice uh, in Seattle. In uh, Winnipeg, the last team we're looking at, uh, a team that was in transition during the course of the year on defense, I think they solved that by the time the year ended. And there's a pretty good defenseman available there, too, just as there is a pretty good forward up front. Uh, the goaltending mix uh, not leaving too much to be desired there. So for me, it was one of the regular skaters that was the focus here. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree with with all of all of what you just said, Paul. There's uh, some intriguing defenders. Uh, there, there's not much in terms of the net mining. I don't think you're gonna, you know, give Laurent Brassois a shot at at being a number one. Maybe, maybe Mikel Burden, um, but I, I ultimately think he hasn't shown enough um, for them to have to really worry about it. You know, the the defense really is intriguing in this group. Um, you know, even looking at depth guys that you could stick in the minors, like a like a Logan Stanley, Sammy Niku, Tucker uh, Tucker Pullman are all intriguing but ultimately i ended up in uh, with the forward group now this is uh my last you know minor minor league guy um uh or two-way player here and and that's mason appleton 24 years old got a little bit of uh, a taste of the nhl this year seems to be projecting well uh into the right direction ultimately i would like to see a little bit more of the that minor league offensive game show itself in the nhl but his minutes are relatively limited. You know, this season he averaged 11, just over 11 minutes a game. Um, and so hopefully he would be able to get a bigger role into the future. But I think another year kind of splitting time in the minors wouldn't hurt. Um, so that's why I went with Mason Appleton here. Paul, who did you like? Well, I went with a guy who was a little more proven. I mean, uh, there's a couple of guys that were possibilities in that vein in terms of Nick Shore, Cody Eakin. But for me, Adam Lowry is the guy that I landed on among the forwards, AJ, and a guy who had the third line center position locked down in, in Winnipeg. I think he does the same role in Seattle as the checking line center and brings a lot of toughness and some scoring ability to that third unit. A very valuable piece in terms of what I think they would ultimately present. Some certain, Certainly some nice options on the blue line when you consider I keep Kulikov, Morrissey, and Pionk. That means Nathan Beaulieu and Dylan DeMello would be available on that blue line. Even Sammy Niku, another guy that I know you like, would be a possibility there. But for me, I don't know how the Seattle team doesn't look at Lowry and say, boy, this guy checks off a lot of boxes and would probably look like a pretty good team player too. Well, AJ, quickly now, we've gone a little bit long in this show, but I think it's still important for us to put our lineups together, and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how yours lays out. Give us a rundown of your top four lines and your top three defense pairings and uh, the goalie depth chart. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I kind of alluded to it uh, periodically throughout, you know, throughout the show here, Um, but my my top line breaks down uh, as Yanni Gord, Joe Pavelski, James Neal, followed up with Paul Byron, Alex Kerfoot, and Colton Sissons. Um, the third line I, is probably the one I, I like the best in terms of matchup problems, and that's Sam Bennett, Tyson Yost, and Josh Anderson. Uh, and then my fourth line is a bunch of pluggers who have um, some offensive upside as well, and Dominic Cahoon, Scott Lawton, Sonny Milano. I keep Christian Fisher and Jordan Cairo on the roster um, in terms of the 23-man here. For the blue line, uh, I tried to go as offensive, defensive-minded as possible. Um, so I got P.K. Subban playing with Tori Krug, Justin Schultz with Jonas Brodin, and Brett Pesci with Devin Taves. And as I mentioned, Patrick Niemith is going to round out my seventh uh, defenseman. Uh, and then between the pipes, I've got Henrik Lundqvist as my short-term starter, Ilya Samsonov as the long-term starter. Uh, so that's my lineup as it all shakes out. Um like I said, the third line is probably the one I'm most excited about in terms of uh, matchup problems and, and being able to produce offensively. 
In my case, AJ, I mean, a lot of the guys that I picked uh, had their seasons commuted by injury issues, so their stats are are not reflective of their overall talent. I'll get to those in a minute, but my top line features Joel Erickson-Eck on the left side, Adam Gaudet at center. Gaudet, in terms of points per game, my most productive guy up front. Uh, Yanni Gourd, you would have thought on name recognition, would have been the guy, but let's remind our listeners, he only got 30 points last year. He is capable of much more than that, and he will definitely deliver much more of that in this lineup. Uh, my second line is one that I like here very much. Paul Byron, a very responsible two-way player. He could play some center ice if they needed to. So he, I might flip-flop him with Faxa, who is my second line center in this circumstance. But Mikhail Grandlund really is the signature guy on that unit, giving me a good-looking right wing with him and Gourd as the top two guys. Sam Bennett is a guy that uh, fills in as my third line uh, left wing, and I think he's only scratching the surface of what he can be as an NHLer. I think he gets an ample opportunity to move up in the roster here if he gets his game in order. Alex Kerfoot is the center of my third line. Vinny Hinestroza rounds out the right side of that unit. So I've got some three pretty good scoring units there. And uh, the best of the rest is Nick Delorier, Adam Lowry, and Alex Chason, a pretty rugged uh, fourth line, I'll say, with Lowry and Chason featured there. And uh, Stefan Noas in my spare part. If I go with another guy on that on that uh, forward ranks, it'd be Howden as my eighth, uh, my s- second spare forward. But I want, would rather have eight defensemen in the mix here, and so they'll break down as follows. I've got Grizzlick and Taves as my top pairing on defense. I've got Pesci and Hutton, a pretty good shutdown and a pretty good skating tandem as my second pair. Gostas Bear, my power play specialist, I'm going to shield him by limiting him to third line minutes and insulate him with a partnership with Scandella, who is a very responsible defenseman and a, a very good uh, compliment in that situation. Leaving McCabe and Gudis as the spare parts on that back end. Dehan, Nemeth, and Murray would be the guys that would be ticketed for the minors here. My top goalie is uh, Matt Murray, uh, AJ. I'm looking for him to reprise what Theo, uh, what Mar- Theo Fleur, Marc-Andre Fleury's done for Vegas, and Murray will be tasked with the same uh, responsibility in Seattle. Pavel Fransuz, uh, my goalie of choice for number two position. Chris Dreger, a guy that Florida is going to miss big time, is going to be the third guy in this mix. What's your team name? So I I went with uh, I went with the Seattle Kraken. I, I you know looking at the potential names uh, out there, it's the one that I like the most. Now, interestingly, I got into um, a, a Twitter discussion with somebody from Seattle, and he you know according to him at least they that that name is preferred mostly outside of the city of Seattle. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they go with. But um, that was my preferred choice was the Kraken. I'm going to go with the Seattle Totems. They have had a minor league affiliate too, which which uh, gathered some traction. But Totems is my pick of choice, and I think they want to be careful with that pick too. There's been some sensitivity with the native peoples, and uh, so they could really make a a nice positive splash if they work with the native community to work out a, a logo that that makes them feel good about that choice and could be a real solid starting point for this franchise uh, by getting the name right and presenting it in in a positive way so there we have it those are our rosters i'm kind of curious to see what our listenership might think about whether you made the better choice all around or i did it seems like you went with more proven offensive commodities than i did but i like my defense uh mix here and uh, the goalie situation i think could be the real basis for some success in both our lineups i think that's the strength of both of our teams so uh, curious to know what you think about my team i liked yours too 
Yeah, I think, I mean, there's so many options here that, that everybody could go with from the protection aspect to, to the uh, selection process. You know, I'll, I'll give one, uh, one of many shout outs to Cat Friendly for their tool that makes this entirely possible to, to really go through this. And, and they've got a great expansion draft tool there. And uh, I do think our, our teams would uh, square off pretty well against each other. Um, you know, I, I know neither of us is big uh, NHL 20, uh, you know, gamers here, but maybe we can figure out a way to uh, get these teams playing together or against each other, rather, using that platform. It would be definitely an interesting thing to take a look at. But, uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun to go through these. I, I've enjoyed kind of writing their articles and then talking through them with you. If any of our listeners hadn't had a chance to go take a look at those, please do. Um, I will say I've got an upcoming series uh, coming out where we're going to dive into each team uh, in a cap-specific uh, way here. Uh, I believe the first one will come out today, Tuesday. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, I'm not totally set on that, um, but we're working our way through and keep an eye out for those. Uh, again, we'll make those up there free. for, for uh, You don't have to be a subscriber, although we'd love you to be. Uh, so keep an eye out for that later today. And that will be a focus of our upcoming uh, shows, too. We'll tra- maybe take a division at a time or a few teams at a time, AJ. We'll talk about that. But certainly that'll be the focus as we go forward to take a look at the cap structure of each of the teams and uh, what decisions might arise out of that. For now, well, we went a little long today, but we hope you enjoyed the focus on the Seattle expansion rosters that we presented. That wraps up this episode of Puckcast with Statsman and AJ. Our next episode is scheduled a week from today in this new series, series of uh, pods that will complement what AJ is writing about. Look for that uh, on Tuesday when we rele- he releases that for cons- public consumption. In the meantime, remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen in to podcasts to get our tips to ha- stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. Mm-hmm.